is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez 5. He is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out. Tie the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now. Shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. A full hour. For a while there, we thought that Caleb's targeting call was going to be upheld and we would only be uh, relegated to half a game today. Yeah, but the conference went ahead and appealed it to uh, the NCAA and, you know, we got it back. Good for us. Good for us. And it's nice great that the, for you. Nice that the conference would, would actually appeal any of this. Make make the right call on, on something. Yes. That's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Uh, before we dig into things, uh, Caleb, welcome back. Uh, you, you've obviously been here uh, at the station since, but you are now officially a father. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. Very, uh, very exciting. Uh, only had to get up a couple of times. Oh gosh, we got a gift coming over oh, yeah. here. Okay, this is. Oh right. Make some room. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you we, go. We will. We'll dive into that at some point. Anyone watching on Facebook Live? Which yeah, you can go there. KLI and Huskers. Um, this thing is bigger than my daughter right now. But yeah, she uh, nine point two pounds, twenty two and a quarter inches. It's um, a big girl. Amy Williams, John Cook. Yeah. Just letting you guys know the recruiting process is open. Respect my decision. <laughs> yeah. Very, very excited <laughs> for you and Megan. Uh, hopefully you've gotten a little bit of sleep before yeah. you've uh, come in here today. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. And, and Cole, and I think this is something that, that you and, and Jack and, and everyone was really trying to get it. It's, you can talk about it and you can prepare for it, but it is so much different as soon as you're holding them, as soon yeah. as you get a little bit of that time. So, yeah, it is a, it, it's a world changer this week, but I'm excited for it. I'm excited that, you know what, I, I'm excited that I do now get the entire Saturday, this first Saturday with her, that there's nothing yeah. going on. We're going to try to find the positives in yep. all of that. I was excited to go to Memorial Stadium. I was going to be there today. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're going to take the positives. I'll, I'll sit at home with uh, with little Millie all day. Absolutely, that's awesome. And and I will be honest. I I saw your pictures on Monday and was really excited for you. And um, maybe with, you know, we've got a 17 month old. Uh, Might have held her a little bit more before I put her down in bed that night. <laughs> yep. So teaches you to to not you know remember to not take things for granted. Yeah. And, and I don't know that Nebraska fans are going to take football for granted anymore after this week. Uh, after you have <laughs> a game canceled, and then you have another game lined up. And everybody starts to to wonder, oh my gosh, are we actually going to get to play? We're going to see this team play, even though they had a game, t- you know, canceled due to no fault of their own. And lo and behold, no. Uh, the, and and now Nebraska fans once again, just like the first eight weeks of this season, have yard work to do instead of watching Husker football. I feel like Nebraska fans, and I'm sure there's a couple other fan bases out there. May, maybe like the Ohio States, may, maybe. Kind of like the the Clemsons or the the Alabamas, the teams that are really contending for championships, mm-hmm. they don't take football for granted. Yeah. I feel like Nebraska is the only one outside of the college football playoff picture where the fans are not taking any football for granted. How much? I don't know how much anyone because I've got a few friends that are Wisconsin fans. Yeah, I don't know how much any of them cared that the game wasn't played. I don't. Uh, I don't know how many Minnesota fans. They're 0-2 right now. I don't know how many of them were even bought into the season that it was even playing. If we remember back, P.J. Flack, when the, when the first announcement that the Big Ten had called off this season, technically postponed, P.J. Flack said he had they were 30 for 30. 30 players had come in and said it was the right decision and we shouldn't play. Well, you, you can say it's the right decision, but you can also word that as the Big Ten made the right decision for safety, but I want to play. Like you can come out and do that. Minnesota hasn't looked like they want to play. Yeah, what was what was the? I think it was Jack Mitchell who uh, who tweeted, uh, "If Minnesota tells you they don't want to play football, we take should them, take them take seriously word for it." Yeah, <laughs> um, it, but still, Michigan State, and I know we're kind of going through the the Big Ten right now a little bit, but yeah. and we'll get into Nebraska, Ohio State, but it, there's Minnesota. But then, has any team looked less likely that they wanted to be on a field than Michigan State? Oh, wow! Yeah. 
Welcome, Mel Tucker. Right? Enjoy yeah. that. That was uh, that was something else. And now you've got this weird conglomerate that Purdue, Indiana, Rutgers, and Maryland all have wins. Mm. And we're just about to get into the second Saturday of the season for the Big Ten. It's just like we all thought. Ohio State, Rutgers, and Indiana are yes. all playing in first place in the Big East today. It, it's, a, it's a little bit wild. But because of that Maryland went over Minnesota in overtime and Thank you, kicking problems. College kickers. <laughs> uh, Boat Road, I believe, is what the official Maryland yeah. uh, Twitter account put out. Yeah. But because of that, Maryland or Minnesota sitting at zero and two, Wisconsin's one and zero, Purdue's one and zero. Then you really start to go through the rest of the West, and you go, okay, this is not something that anyone can run away with. Iowa's 0-1. I, I was 0-1, and for the record, I picked Purdue last week against Iowa. You did. And again, yesterday on the tailgate, I was the only one to pick Northwestern. Mm. And I will can and it, it I mean matchup based, but I just don't this Iowa team has way too much going on. And I know we're gonna want to talk about what the uh what the national folks are just railing on Nebraska about, but that Iowa program, like, okay, Nebraska wants to play football. That Iowa program has so much that has been going on in the offseason, not even COVID-related. Mm-hmm. Where are their heads at? Yeah. And how much are they taking seriously from week to week? Right. That, that's, not, that's not a program that I think is doing extremely well. Could they still contend for the West? Of course, any of them. Any team here in the West can still contend for, that, for, for going to the conference championship game. It just looks really rough over there in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, and and you, you you start to get into it a little bit with Iowa. They've got some issues where uh, they they have currently a lawsuit against them for racial discrimination from former players. Their strength and conditioning coach was let go mm-hmm. this off season. One of, if not the highest paid strength and conditioning coaches in the country. Yep. Um, His son, who was on the team, transferred. There's that. Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz both have been uh, basically implicated in this by some of the uh, plaintiffs, the former players in this uh, in this situation. So yeah, that's that's one of the if you if you want to look at the West in terms of like the the three biggest names like over the last ten years since Nebraska's joined the, the Big Ten, mm-hmm. you've got Iowa, you've got Wisconsin, you've got Nebraska. Well, that's Iowa's situation. Wisconsin obviously has their game on Friday of last week. And then Graham Mertz, it's reported that he tests positive. Paul Chris, their head coach, mm-hmm. it's reported that he tests positive. They're up to how many now it, in the program? It's now 22 positives, uh, 10 of them being staff. So when you start to look at those numbers, the thresholds you meet for team and then team positives, um, 5% for team, uh, then 7.5% for team population, mm-hmm. uh, the word I meant there. And once you start getting into those double digits and you get – close to two dozen, it is very hard to be under those thresholds at all to a point to play. Now, Wisconsin did not meet the red-red criteria yeah. as of earlier this week, but they were in the orange-red, and the way the protocol is laid out by the Big Ten, you will then have discretion to shut down activities for seven days. So that's what Wisconsin did. They shut down team activities for seven days earlier this week. That's why the game is off today. Mm-hmm. That's why we're going to be in here past 930 today. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have all this coming out about there being more positives and the 21 days you have to be out as a player, you can't test out of it like the ACC. Mm-hmm. You Like Trevor Lawrence could still play next weekend against Notre Dame because they let you test out of it if you have consecutive negative tests come back. The SEC lets you test out of it. Nick Saban was positive on Monday, and by Saturday he was on a sideline against Georgia. There are certain protocols that are different in in all these different conferences. The Council of Presidents and Chancellors is saying, we're not changing anything. We meant to be this strict. And we're seeing it play out how hard it is if you have an outbreak for your team to come back and play. What I don't understand out of all of this, Nebraska just wants to play football. Why is Wisconsin not being held to the fire for the second breakout they've had in just a matter of months? Why is the Big Ten not investigating Wisconsin and their COVID control within their program? And Cole, you were saying this as well. Are we sure that there weren't a number of players that played Friday against Illinois that weren't positive? 
going into that game? Yeah, the, the, we don't necessarily know like when you first have enough of the virus in you to be able to to test positive on a test, to be able to transmit it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like Mertz's report came out, was it Saturday or was it Sunday? Saturday. It was Saturday. So, and because yeah. it's Saturday and the way the protocols lay out, if it's 21 days, he only misses two games because the 21st day you'd be able to come back. So if they played that Friday, they get that extra day, basically. Yep, they which, get that yeah. extra day. So the the way all of that works out is that he might only miss two games. If they, if, oh, if they change the protocols, Mertz might only miss one game if they go to just the 14 what days. What Barry Alvarez is pushing for right yeah, now. Yeah, well, because it benefits them now. It's not something that could benefit something else, someone else in the conference. I would be flabbergasted. You throw me against a wall. You're going to make exceptions for, for somebody else and yep. not for Oh, not for that, that that's yeah. the road that that would go down. Now, I, I haven't said this on social media. There is not some widespread conspiracy against Nebraska. Nebraska has gotten the short end of the stick here in 2020, but I don't think there is a conference office where they go, what's Nebraska want? Let's do the opposite. I don't think that's what's going on. But it's inherent. It is the way things are going, and if protocols get changed, yeah, I'm, I'm going to believe that there there's a little bit more out to get Nebraska. Uh, I'll, I'll start to believe that. But we've also, now hedging this part about Wisconsin-Illinois this last Friday, there's also the fact that there has been nothing, nothing proven, I guess there's been no studies, about contact during games mm-hmm. leading to positive cases. Right. That is something that we, we have not seen, that, that hasn't been out there. I haven't seen any reports about that. So, let's say there were a few positives in the Wisconsin program. There's been nothing to say that they were transmitted to Illinois during that game um, eight days ago. Mm. Illinois does have a few positives, but they're still set to go at 11 a.m. this morning against Purdue. So, they obviously didn't hit any kind of threshold. I think it was only like four or a yeah. handful. I can't remember the exact report on it. But, oh, man, we are you, we are setting things up to just be a disaster the way Wisconsin has gotten us into this season. Right, and, and there's, not, there's not a way to reschedule these games since the Big Ten waited as long <laughs> as they did to, to restart the season. That's another part of this. But, but to, to my earlier point where you're talking about the three biggest names in the Big Ten West, you've got Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Iowa has this, this situation where they've got former mm-hmm. players, uh, African-American players, who are accusing the leadership of the football program of racial discrimination, and they're suing the football program for that. You've got the biggest outbreak in the country right now in college football at Wisconsin, a team that's made just about every Big Ten championship game since Nebraska joined the league. And then on top of that, you have Nebraska, who, through no fault of their own, lost this game to Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. had some sort of level of understanding from the Big Ten that if they got everything lined up on their own and did all of the legwork with another team that had stricter testing protocols than the conference and were going to take care of them when they got to Lincoln, uh, that they were they were lining things up to try to get another game and that came that that came, that was pulled out from under them. Mm-hmm. And the largest outcry of criticism of any of the programs is of course on the team that has yet to win the Big Ten West. Nebraska won the Legends Division before they changed it to the West in 2014. They've Literally not- the only time Nebraska was in the championship game had to play Wisconsin because Ohio State and Penn State were on sanctions. They were the third-place team in that in that division that year, yes. So so this is... it's Obviously, if you're a Nebraska fan, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And... It's if you if you look at the way that the college football media, not everybody, but a lot of them have handled this situation and the situation earlier. Uh, the one word that came to mind for me, Caleb, was lazy, because the first time around it was just lazy because everybody started picking up the thought that oh well Nebraska obviously wants to leave the conference because they're complaining, which yeah maybe you could construe their statement as complaining and and wishing that things were different. But nobody suggested that Nebraska was wanting to leave the conference. No, nobody was making a statement that explored that Nebraska was even trying to to explore other options to leave the conference. They wanted to play football games against mm-hmm. teams that were able to play, yeah. as in outside of the Big Ten, because the Big Ten said that you couldn't play. That was the five-week period where they couldn't play. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a situation where Nebraska 
still just kind of wants to play a game. You know, they've got guys lined up. They're ready to go. They want to. They want to get better. They want to learn what they have. They want to play guys who haven't played as much and 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 get them experience on the field against a different team. And no, and yeah, this is this is an exception that you would be asking. You you would everybody agreed to play an all Big Ten conference schedule before, but I don't know that things were explicitly told to Nebraska's leadership that hey, if something happens and uh, the other team tests positive with too many cases, they go to a state where they they shut the pr- program down for a short p- period of time, and you lose that game. Uh, we're we're just going to say no to any request. No, that that was apparently never done because Nebraska, according to several people in the media who would know have had some sort of internal discussion and and thought that there might be a yes given to them. And the and that in, that Tennessee in, Chattanooga athletic director said as much as well. That includes folks that we've talked to from here at KLIN as well. I want to get more into that. I want to get my one word as well. We're going to have Mitch Sherman just around the corner over here also going to go. A member of the national media Ooh, from right here in our backyard. That's right. We're also going to... Uh, Break down a little bit of the Nebraska-Ohio State game. Heck of a first half. Should have been closer, except for, you know, penalties and turnovers and a few things, positives to look forward to, though, like we said, Mitch Sherman of The Athletic just around the corner. That's cool. I'm Caleb. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Turn down for what? Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour here on Halloween. And yes, we have a full show. We would have we been preempted, but uh, alas, it was not meant to be. No, no game, so no pregame show cutting into the the program today so we'll you go get all extra, the way to 10 o'clock you get an extra 30 minutes of us scary stuff i know it's terrifying <laughs> probably not as terrifying as caleb and i on a saturday morning is mitch sherman from the athletic he's uh, a local guy but writes for uh national brands he's been with espn he's been with the athletic now for uh a little bit uh and he joins us now here on the k-line husker hour uh, mitch thanks a lot for the time this morning how are you i am well guys how are you well, we're uh, we're here not covering a football game, but talking uh, talking about what happened this week. And I I, I thought your perspective um, would be pretty interesting because you've, as I mentioned, you you worked for the Athletic, you have worked for ESPN, um, been with the World Herald before, but you've had a lot of time as essentially a member of the national media, uh, covering stuff outside of the Nebraska football program. Uh, what is the national perception of Nebraska right now? Uh, on this issue right here, uh, I mean, I think you, I think you guys saw it. It's one of uh, you know, I think people see things nationally more from the Big Ten perspective than from the Nebraska perspective on this. And it's not I I don't know that there is one national perspective. Some of the loudest loudest voices nationally this week uh, spoke out against Nebraska and said that Nebraska should stop uh rattling the boat in the big 10 uh no minnesota pun there <laughs> intended um and you know i i guess i i don't i don't i don't agree with it um i don't necessarily i understand where it's coming from um sometimes it's easy just to take a uh a wide view of things and we haven't heard a lot from nebraska nationally for its accomplishments for winning big games, certainly for winning championships. And they're in a place right now where it's easy to take swipes at them. Um, it's easy to uh, see things only from the, the perspective of the big brand, and that's the Big Ten. But, um, you know, I think upon closer inspection, especially with this issue here that we experienced in Nebraska this week, um, there's not a lot of criticism that is warranted for what happened in Lincoln. Uh, Nebraska wanted to play football. It uh, went through all of the proper channels to try to find an opponent. It kept safety at top of mind, and it didn't work out, and there was no complaining. So uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a bit at a loss to understand uh, some of the things that were said, but I, you know, I think you just have to take it for what it is, and, and if you're in Nebraska, probably just move on and, and look forward to your, your game next week at Northwestern. 
Yeah, Mitch, I think a lot of us understand that Nebraska just wants to play football. And, hey, uh, you, you talked about it a little bit too, but there, there's no use really in laying out all the legal issues and the scandals that have happened across the league just in the last decade since Nebraska's been here. Uh, I guess my, my question would be, why is Nebraska getting kind of put to the fire right now for wanting to play football, trying to find a backup game, and not so much Wisconsin for the second breakout in a matter of months, now up to 22 positives, 10 staff, could be missing multiple games over the course of this season. I, and I said it earlier this week, I, should the Big Ten be investigating the Badgers and how they're handling the, the virus within their program? Well, I think you've seen this happen at other places. It's happened at other places in the Big Ten before we got into the football season here where there were outbreaks, and it, that's just part of living in a pandemic and trying to operate a football team and have a lot of people together. I don't think Wisconsin necessarily did anything wrong. But look, they played on, on a Friday night, and then football players were they were college students on the weekend, apparently, because they had an outbreak in that program. Uh, at the end of the weekend, early this week, who knows when it began? It, it would, it, you know, the science would tell you that it most likely started before that Illinois game on Friday. But I'm not in a position to to be able to mm-hmm. say whether that's the case or it was all on the weekend. Um, I, I don't think Wisconsin. Uh, there's a there's an investigation warranted on what's happening there. I I, I think you could say that. Look, it happened in Florida a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we've seen it at at various programs. Um, University of Houston tried five times to play its season opener and it didn't it didn't happen until the sixth try so nebraska's far from being alone in this situation where it had an opponent that went belly up and was was not there on on game day um and and i think from the perspective of wisconsin you just have to say get well i hope that, that that everybody is is doing what they're supposed to be doing in isolation right now and not unknowingly spreading that thing into the into the community more in Madison. And I, I know there's Nebraska people who would maybe smirk a bit if if uh, the Badgers have to miss the Purdue game next week. But I hope they get to play. I hope they get back to practice and they do it safely and they get to play because the more games that are played in the Big Ten this season, the, the more legitimate that the the uh, the year is for everyone. I yeah. forgot about Houston. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was a funny situation. That that was my rule, Mitch. Like back when this whole thing kind of went to crap and the Big Ten canceled things. Like Any team that plays one game, just call it a success and move on. So it, at least Nebraska's gotten one. And let's hit the field now with uh, w- talking a little bit about the, the result against Ohio State, 52-17 loss. Uh, the defense, I feel like, for Nebraska, held their ground uh, against the run. You had a punt and a field goal attempt that three fourth downs uh, Ohio State did in the first half, two converted, and one led to that field goal, uh, and then the floodgates eventually opened. Do you agree with the conventional wisdom that Nebraska should feel encouraged, not just defensively, but a little bit offensively as well? Yeah, I think all along the line of scrimmage, there's reason to be encouraged. And that game was won by Ohio State uh, outside the hashes because it, it far outshined Nebraska with what it was able to do down the field, I would say on both sides of the ball, but specifically on the offensive side for the Buckeyes. Nebraska didn't have an answer for Justin Fields' throws over the top of the defense and Garrett Wilson going deep and some of the things that those freshman receivers did in the second half. Um, that's That was uh, special. That's what makes is going to make Ohio State a, a national championship contender. It'll be interesting to see if some of those same advantages are, are evident tonight when the Buckeyes go into, into Penn State. Um, we'll be watching that. But, uh, but, yeah, at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, there were a lot of bright spots for Nebraska, which you could not say a year ago in that game. You could not say it uh, a couple of years ago when Nebraska went to Michigan and got pushed around. This was the third largest, as far as um, point differential, third largest loss that Scott Frost has experienced in his two-plus years at Nebraska. And this one, to me, is different just because of the way Nebraska performed at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, I'm not getting overly excited about it. It was a 35-point loss. The Huskers turned the ball over a couple times that, that when they shouldn't have, they didn't convert um, in, in, a, in, a, in a first and goal situation, um, ended up with a field goal. So there's a lot, a lot of ways. That, that's a, an understatement that, that Nebraska can improve and will need to improve to win games that remain on its schedule. But specifically – up front, I would, yeah, I'm with you on, on defense, maybe mentioning that first because of Ty Robinson, because of Casey Rogers, um, a couple of young guys who had not done that in Nebraska uniforms before, showed up quite a bit, uh, in addition to Ben Stilley, um, 
in addition to some of the outside linebackers who made their presence known uh, getting getting um, into, into the backfield for Ohio, the Ohio State offensive backfield. And then on the offensive side, um, again, a bunch of young guys, um, some veterans like Brendan Hymas and, and Bo Wilson, but I was impressed with Ethan Piper. Uh, Cam Jurgens did a nice job uh, as a second-year starter. Bryce Benhart in his first start for Nebraska um, also did a nice job. So a lot to build on in, in both of those areas. Moving away from the, the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball, the secondary, Mitch, I thought was uh, playing very, very soft defense, giving up almost too much ground <laughs> on on any given play. And Justin Fields, it seems like, is a guy that even if you don't give up ground, he's going to find a way to make passes fit in there. There's, there's a reason that he's in the Heisman talk and uh, first-round draft prospect. But what, when you look at that secondary, what did you see against Ohio State? And then how does how does a secondary improve especially, at least for a half, going to be missing Deontay Williams and Cam Taylor-Britt. Yeah, it's pick your poison against Ohio State in that spot. You want to give them extra cushion and try to keep those receivers in front of you and prevent the uh, 60-, 70-yard passes? Um, Or, or, you know, do you play press press coverage and, uh, you know, risk getting beat on a home run? And I think Nebraska chose to play it a little more conservatively, which surprised me a bit at times. I mean, I think you're going to do that in certain situations, but... The Huskers have an experienced secondary. It's, it's uh, arguably the most experienced uh, position group on the team, maybe right there with the offensive line, um, and, and maybe more, more than the offensive line because you've got a couple of new guys uh, who, are, who are in your top six on the, on the line. Um, but all of, those, all of those defensive backs have experience, and I was surprised that they played as far off the Ohio State receivers as they did. I think that's a coaching decision. I don't think it's those guys lining up the, and, and playing that way. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'll see them do that every game, but that was what Nebraska chose to do, what Eric Janander wanted to do, what Travis Fisher wanted to do in that game. So, um, you know, it led to, it led to Justin Fields being able to, uh, to really pick his, pick, pick his uh, receivers on, uh, you know, from a number of receivers um, and complete all but one of his passes. So I think moving forward, um, you know, they're going to be a more aggressive group. Uh, they're going to go for the ball. They're going to try to create turnovers. And as you mentioned, uh, they're going to have to do it in the first half next week without two of their best players. So it's time for Quinn Newsom, Miles Farmer, uh, Isaac Gifford, um, some true freshmen to step up and be able to uh, to fill those shoes and, and keep things uh, in good order until Taylor Britt and, and Williams return in the third quarter. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, speaking of receivers, let's talk about Nebraska's receivers a little bit. Uh, you have Wandale Robinson and Cade Warner, uh, two guys that Nebraska, I think, is uh, going to have to count on heavily. And then the other spot uh, in a three-receiver set, you had Levi Falk a little bit. You saw some Wyatt Lever, uh, and this is in the first half. You got a little bit of Elante Brown. Uh, Marcus Fleming was listed in the participation report as well. Uh, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, not as much. Uh, what is What do you think is going on with the wide receiver group? Who do, do you think we see more of maybe on the field against Northwestern that we didn't see a lot of against Ohio State? Yeah. We're, we're going to see Levi Falk play a fair amount throughout the year. I don't think he's going to hold on to a starting position, the grad transfer from South Dakota. Uh, but but he is a capable receiver and has it at this level. Had a huge game two years ago against Kansas State, where right. he caught double digit passes. So that's encouraging that he's going to be able to give you something like that. But Nebraska is going to have to look to some of its younger receivers who were on the sideline for the majority of that opener. Guys like Xavier Betts, Marcus, Marcus Fleming, Alante Brown, um, and they're going to need Omar Manning at some point. You know, we'll see if that happens. There was some encouraging talk early in the week before the cancellation of the Wisconsin game that maybe this would be the game week two where Omar Manning, the six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pound junior college transfer, um, was, was able to get on the field. I don't think Nebraska was looking at him to get on the field and play sixty snaps against Wisconsin. So it stands to reason it may not be that much against Northwestern, but it's another week for him to practice. Um, so there's a silver lining to this uh to this cancellation here, you know, <laughs> Nebraska can get healthy, um, and one of the places they can get healthy and get right is that receiver. So we see them next Saturday. I expect that receiver group, with or without Manning in a big role, 
to look somewhat different. I think some of those young guys are going to have to work themselves into positions where they can get on the field. And that what that probably means for them in the week, the two weeks of practice leading up to this Northwestern game is for them to put in the work and then to show um, Matt Lubick and Scott Frost that they're ready to go out there and play in Big Ten games. I don't. It doesn't appear that the coaches saw that from those players leading up to the Ohio State game, and it's why they were on the bench most, most of the uh, afternoon. Mitch, you left out everyone's new favorite wide receiver, Luke McCaffrey. <laughs> right, he plays everywhere. Wide receiver, running back. You know, maybe we'll see him at tight end against Northwestern too. But yeah, what 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 he brings to the offense is uh, is huge, and you could see it in that opener. Um, I'm interested, excited to see what they have in store for him as the season goes on, and as long as he and and Martinez remain healthy, then I, you know I think it's a week by week just. Uh, um, can't wait to see what those guys have to offer and what the coaches are able to draw up to involve them in the game at the same time or different times or with Martinez uh, splitting out to a receiver. He was calling for uh, for Luke to throw him a pass at one point, I think, in the Ohio State game. And, and um, you know, they did, they, they um, produced a lot of big plays between them, and, and that will continue to be the case as long as they're healthy. All right, you mentioned Ohio State, Penn State. I think that one's on everyone's calendar for today. No Nebraska game for you to cover. Where's your attention? How many TVs? Where Where are you at today, Mitch? Yeah, I'm just gonna hole up in front of the TV, maybe go in the basement, watch it on uh, as big of a screen as I can find, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch uh, Iowa Northwestern uh, in that 2:30 uh, window for sure, and I'll have my eyes tonight on on uh, Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, you know, looking around the country, there's 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 uh, other intrigue too. I want to see uh, um, I want to see Clemson without Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. against Boston College. See how that goes before uh, that, that Notre Dame game next week. So, um, but mainly, I would say I'll be watching the Big Ten today and those two games I mentioned. Mitch Sherman from the Athletic. Uh, thanks a lot for the time today. We appreciate you coming on and uh, enjoy watching and not having to uh, to work on a game. All right, thanks guys. Have a good weekend. You too. That's Mitch Sherman, uh, one of the one of the guys who is is a part of the national media, but not really because he's one of us. I, I enjoy his writing too. I think yeah, that, yeah. That's all, that that also goes without saying. I think just about everyone we've had on on Husker Hour, we enjoy their writing, and, and Mitch is really the reason that uh, that I even read the Athletic because of what he does for his coverage. Yeah, I think actually. I first joined when he was announced as cover because yeah. there wasn't a Nebraska football writer yet. Right, I, there's other stuff that I like on there, but he was he was a big reason why. So yeah, that was really cool to to have him on. And uh, when we come back, digging more into this was this uh, Ohio State Nebraska game. Uh, some of what we saw, some of uh, the things that maybe you didn't uh, you didn't think about, and 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 what you can take away from that uh, as far as. You know, things you can expect to see on the field against Northwestern, which is Nebraska's next game two weeks after their first game uh, because they're not playing today. But, hey, since they're not playing today, we're still on the air, so come back and join us for more. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Big thanks to Mitch Sherman. Joined us in our last segment. He's from The Athletic. Uh, if you missed that or anything else, you can always head to the podcast page at KLIN.com or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, and uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter, uh, and the Facebook Lives are great. You can check those out at KLIN Huskers. Thank you to Mr. Kenny Larrabee for his work on those every single week Yes, yes. for us. And he's now a part of the tailgate as well, which is fun. You guys did a tailgate yesterday, even without a game. How was that? Uh, that was uh, that was a great time. Had Brendan Stye back in. He told us a lot about trying to cheat in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, weird stuff in the showers. Uh, you're going to want to go to uh, KLIN Facebook page and watch a replay of, of that one there. That uh, There was a lot of fun conversation. And the fun part about that, that we do a little bit different on tailgate than on Husker Hour, we leave the mics on during the breaks. Yeah. So you, you get a lot more conversation, not just some of the weird stuff that guys talk about off the air, but you get a lot of there's, – there's a number of times we're asking, we're asking Brendan – Okay, we didn't have time to get to this. When you're looking at the conversation yeah, continues a little when bit. you're looking at this, what, what do you what do you want out of 
the running back behind you when when you start to go here what and the conversation yeah. just really continue it's it's a lot of fun looking forward to the the rest of the season and like you said giant giant part of that uh the support from upstairs but also uh Kenny coming in and taking care of us from everything we've done here on Husker Hour but tailgate on Fridays now too yes uh we're I'm I'm taking 100% of the credit we we tested the whole thing out we were the guinea pigs we yeah you're welcome we lab ratted this thing up you're welcome tailgate <laughs> i'm not a part of it so i'm bitter um, let's let's get into the Ohio State game. Um, obviously, the game ended in a huge spread. It was a 35-point spread when it was all said and done, 52-17. to 17. Um, But I, I think everybody at this point is kind of settled into, hey, you know, you, you look for some positives after a loss anyway, but not knowing a lot about what Nebraska was going to have coming into 2020, there were a lot of unknowns in certain places, and I feel like the things that we saw – in those places was pretty encouraging. And and I'll start where I started with Mitch, and it's on the lines on both sides. Two true uh, two redshirt freshmen. You have Bryce Benhart on the offensive line yes. and Ty Robinson on the defensive line. Both of those guys look like they belong just f- from the eyeball test, from the get-off-the-bus test. Like, put those guys in the front of the bus and get them off there first, and they're going to intimidate somebody. Uh, and they played pretty well against a program that traditionally just churns out NFL talent on both lines. So yeah. that was pretty encouraging, and there's more than that, but that's that was the first thing that jumped off at me because Nebraska's really needed to get better in the trenches. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the places, the takeaways after the game where you saw it during the game, but then you kind of looked at the statistics and said, all right, this position group did well, and that's inside linebacker. And we knew missing, mm-hmm. missing Luke Reimer, you're supposed to realistically have a three-man rotation for those two spots, and when you're missing one of those, you know, okay, maybe you're – Especially against a team like Ohio State. Okay, you're going to need to get a little bit more production out of those two, being Colin Miller and Will Honus. Well, what, what does Honus do but lead the team in tackles and had two sacks on the day as well? Colin Miller played extremely well. I was, I was happy with that inside linebackers group who should get healthy. Um, and then, then is actually going to add a transfer from Northern Iowa who picked Nebraska last That's night. Right, yeah. So there, there, there is, the group really coming along. I liked what we saw out of the inside linebackers. Something I didn't like, and we talked about it with Mitch, is how far off the ball and really how conservative and safe the defensive backs were playing. You would have wanted them to challenge them more. But, well, when we went through our position previews through the summer, kind of leading up to what we were hoping was going to be the start of the season, yeah. we said the strength of the defense was the defensive backs, and we knew it was top-heavy, not a lot of depth, so some guys are going to have to step up, especially after the Florida um, signees transferred out um, with uh, what Francois and Gray. Yeah. Um, when you look at that position group, we said, look at all that experience, the guys that are coming back. You've got, uh, the, you, besides Cam Taylor Britton, Deontay Williams, and Markel Dismuke, and you go through all of these guys, and you said, all right, that is an experienced group, that is a talented group. And yet the the game plan, and I'm sure this was game planned. This wasn't the guys on the field doing this themselves, but the game plan played out like it was a bunch of like redshirt freshmen and sophomores that were out at the defensive back positions. It's Ohio State. At some point, they're going to beat you deep. But if you just let Justin Fields carve you up twenty one for twenty two, at some point you have to defend the pass. Yeah, and and that that was a big disappointment during the game, and then especially after the game, looking back on it. Yeah, not 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 just the defensive backfield in general, but specifically your cornerbacks. Yeah, I mean, Britt and Boodle are are maybe your two best defensive players. And yeah, I I, I don't disagree with you. I, that was that was tough. And in the first half, uh, when the game was still in doubt, uh, you have fifteen point six yards per completion for Ohio State. Uh, on the flip side, to to your point on the linebackers, and then what I was saying a little bit about the D line, uh, just four point one yards per carry mm-hmm. for Ohio State in the first half, uh, and and while they did uh, rack up almost three hundred yards of offense in that first half, two seventy seven, uh, they had to go for it on fourth down twice. And get it twice. They actually did go for it a third time, but it doesn't count because it was a false start on them, and they kicked a field goal instead. Um, and then they did force a punt. Nebraska did. Uh, and and flip if, if you look at what the defense did, uh, you have the the uh, good start for them uh, on the second drive uh, or on the second on the third drive um, where you have other guys who are in the on in on those plays. Keem Green, uh, Nick Henrich, um, DiCaprio Boodle ruined a wide receiver screen. Yes, on that uh, third drive, uh, Damian Daniels 
had the play in the fir- on the second drive where he technically got Fields down on his knee, but yeah. they didn't see it, they didn't review it. He got about six more yards, and the next play was a deep pass for a touchdown. Uh, Fildarius Payne, uh, the guy that you hate, um, he played well off the edge. <laughs> You just forgot about him. I'm just, I'm just being honest. You're right. Him and, him and Casey, <laughs> him and Casey Rogers got a nice stuff on third down on their fourth drive, which was a first. They got a first down on the the following play on a fourth down. That was at their own 33. Ohio State went for a fourth and one on their own 33. Yes. Um, and a defensive of, a defensive back play. I did like Cam Taylor Britt ruining a guy in the end zone. Yep. Yep. Because that was his for sure touchdown pass over the top. That right. was getting beat deep. And that was the right way to. You have to. You're beat deep. All was you can do. Was that or was that Boodle? I thought it was. I thought. I thought it was Cam Taylor Britt who I thought it was. That up. I, I had DiCaprio Boodle. That was on Chris Olave. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, that was a fantastic play to yes. break up the pass. Right. That was that was Fields' only incompletion in of the day too. Yeah. So do want to make it known. I thought the secondary played well at times, but it was disappointing with the expectations. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree at all. And and the way that Nebraska defended the run, and then we'll flip to the, the uh, Nebraska offense, uh, the biggest gain for Ohio State in the first half, you know what it was on the ground? Was it a, was it like the 11-yard run by Fields? 11 yards. And Master T had an 11-yard run, too. Two guys had 11-yard okay. runs. 11 yards was the biggest gain. And in previous years, I mean, I think everybody remembers uh, the game from last year, where you have J.K. Dobbins just gashing Nebraska on the ground. The 2018 game, uh, it might have been Dobbins again or whoever else they had at, the, at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go back even further to the 2012 game that was in Columbus, and the game seemed to turn on a dime when Braxton Miller, on a third and short, just juked somebody out of his pants and went 40 yards for a touchdown, and then it was over. Um, so Ohio State's done a lot of their damage to Nebraska historically on the ground. They didn't do that in this game. No, um, it was the the first touchdown drive of the second half for the Buckeyes. They got a gain of sixteen from Master Teague, and then a gain of seventeen by Fields on a scramble for the touchdown. And then it was over when Nebraska's ensuing possession was that scoop and score. Outside of Justin Fields, Ohio State really couldn't run the ball. They they did not. No, and and that's an that's an encouraging sign because that's something different that you've seen from Nebraska's defenses against Ohio State and you have a lot of you have a lot of evidence because Nebraska plays Ohio State every every year even though they're in the opposite division uh that's the team that they've locked on to um so there's a lot of uh, a lot of encouraging signs for the defense looking at the offense the way the game started the quick four play touchdown drive you've got the creativity with both Martinez and McCaffrey on the field uh, Buckeyes were not ready for McCaffrey's speed I don't think not not on the, what, the not second on that play of game third play of the game yeah 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 he was <laughs> he was by him quick it was uh, it was pretty impressive um, the, the another thing that that you notice on that first drive uh, it was it was very deliberate like Nebraska knew what they wanted to do they got to the line they did it uh, and and they didn't get in their own way uh, and a lot of the offensive issues that have been documented throughout this week is. There's two drives where Nebraska didn't have a, 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 a penalty or they didn't fumble the ball, and they scored 14 points on those yes. two drives. And then they had three drives, two of which had penalties. You have a false start by Levi Falk on one, on a second and one, and then they don't pick up the first down. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, they got the delay of game penalty right out of a timeout after a kickoff, and you have three straight losses uh, on on their plays, and then Ohio State scores the touchdown. And then the other one, Martinez has the helmet issue, and he he goes out. McCaffrey fumbles one of the snaps, and they don't pick up the first down after Martinez's mm-hmm. initial eleven yard carry. Uh, the thing about that, and and it's not good, obviously, to to get in your own way like that. But other teams do overcome penalties once in a while to score points on drives. Like it doesn't have to end. I feel like Nebraska might as well punt. As soon as they have an offensive penalty, because they never pick up the first down, it seems a penalty or a negative yard play, right? A negative yards play too, and it 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 obviously it puts you behind the eight ball. You, you're off schedule. You can't call the plays that you want to call, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like other mm-hmm. teams overcome penalties and, and negative plays all the time, and it seems like Nebraska just never does. So we talked about this Saturday in our game recap, and this just. Sometimes when you're looking through statistics for things to stand out, patterns can jump out. Mm-hmm. Twelve times Nebraska had the ball over the course of the ball game. Six of them on the drive, they had 30 or more yards. One of them was to end the game. Two of them ended in fumbles. The other three 
ended in scores. That was all 17 points. Mm. So as long as Nebraska got at least 30 yards, they were going to be driving well, and it either ended in a turnover or points or ended the game. The other six drives, which included penalties and negative yard plays, those six drives totaled 18 plays and netted five yards. Is that bad? That's not good. Is that bad? It's not good. So the inconsistency, once you have shot yourself in the foot, to not recover. And I believe that that's to your point. Other teams are able to, if they get a false start to start a drive, the drive's not over. Mm. They can pick up that first down, move the chains, change field position a little bit. I don't think Nebraska started a drive be, beyond the 25. Uh, no, I don't think they did. So when, when you're looking at a field position game and you're never able to start once past the 30, past the 40, get into midfield, have something happen, that's an issue. Yes. And, and if you if you can't get the offense rolling because of a negative play or something goes wrong, that's an issue. But what is our baseline for all of this? The baseline is Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing that you got to keep in mind. So exactly. I, I made sure to say that yesterday. The baseline right. is Ohio State. Do maybe you, on some of those drives where you started out going the wrong way, you pick up a first down. Nothing against the Maryland's or the Rutgers. They've got to win on the year. The Purdue's and the Indiana's. They've got to win this year already. They're not Ohio State, yeah. and you might turn some of those others into better drives. Three quick points, and we got to hit a break. Uh, Adrian Martinez obviously started the game, played the whole game at quarterback, except for a handful of plays that Luke McCaffrey was designed mm-hmm. to get in there. Um, thought he looked good, especially in the first half. I mean, he, overall, he did have a pretty good day passing the ball. He was. Um, I don't have. I don't have the individual stats actually, but Adrian Martinez. I think he only threw like two incompletions all game, um, and they weren't going downfield. Obviously, that's that's been a criticism of the past game. They weren't really challenging Ohio State deep. Uh, uh, they don't there we s- go. Martinez twelve for fifteen for one hundred five. McCaffrey four for five for fifty five. Twelve for fifteen. So I think he was seven for nine in the first half, if, yeah. I, if I remember right. Um, only seventy two yards passing, um, and you can't fumble. Neither one of those guys can fumble. McCaffrey and Martinez both lost the ball on QB runs. Yes. Um, you can't do that. And, Mar- and McCaffrey actually fumbled another snap right at the, the exchange. Um, so you can't do that. But I thought Martinez looked good. I thought that was encouraging. Um, you're not going to see another game this season if both guys are healthy where Diedrich Mills and Wandale Robinson combine for 15 or fewer touches. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you're not going to see that happen again. Uh, they were not as involved in the offense as I don't think anybody thought. Um, I think you'll see a lot more of both of those guys going forward, uh, and I think that spells a lot of success for Nebraska's offense. Uh, and last point, special teams. Uh, pretty good punting average uh, for William Pristup, even though he wasn't the guy. Daniel Cerny is, I think, going to be the guy when he's healthy. He was a little bit banged up, so he didn't play. Uh, but the average for Isaac Armstrong was 40 last year, and, and Pristup averaged almost 45 yards per punt. Yep, last year was 40.3, and I believe it was 44.6 yep. this last weekend. And then Two of them over 51 inside the 20. Right. And, uh, hey, you have one kicker, and he didn't miss any kicks. Two for two extra points, got a 22-yard field goal. Although that first one was... Eh, got there. It's pretty close. I don't care how bad it looks. Doink it in if you got. Not a quadruple doink, though. Not a quadruple doink. That didn't go in. That was wild. I'm not going to mention the double because you're a Bears fan. Yeah, well, I'm used to it. (laughs) All right, that was a lot of Ohio State talk. Um, We're going to finish this thing up uh, in just a little bit right after this. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. I'm not mad. You're mad. Nah. Anyway. Uh, Cole gave his one word earlier on the uh, national media. His word was lazy. My word, I decided yesterday, was sad. It is sad that the national media cannot come up with something other than attacking a team and a fan base for wanting to play football. And realistically, the word should have been ironic that a lot of the attacks against Nebraska are that they don't have that cachet, baby. You're not a national brand. Go get your tractors out. Well, guess what? When we wake up on a Saturday and big noon kickoff, game day, or you go out throughout the entire week and you've got all these national writers and you're talking about Nebraska over and over again, Nebraska hasn't been to a bowl game over the last three seasons, hasn't won a national championship in over 20 years. They don't even have a game today. Doesn't even play this week. Sounds like a national brand to me, guys. 
Sounds like a national brand to me if you can't stop talking about the Huskers. It is sad. And uh, they are lazy. So those are two good words. Um, digging in a little bit to some of the national stuff, uh, we, we haven't mentioned it, I don't think, yet, but uh, Trevor Lawrence tested positive this week. Yeah, Mitch said Clemson that. Quarterback. Yeah, yeah Mitch, that, that's right. Uh, they play Boston College today, and then they play Notre Dame next Saturday. Notre Dame currently undefeated and in the top five. Uh, and technically he would be clear of uh, whatever the ACC's determined as their window, the 10 days. He's got to test out of it. He's got to test negative. Yeah. But he can get back in time for that game next week uh, thanks to not having a, a super long mm-hmm. um, thing. The, the next thing I want to get to is the Big Ten. They're, obviously, the Ohio State is, is you know, their heavy favorite to win the conference. Um, the West is kind of up in the air, though, now, with Wisconsin mm-hmm. testing positive all over the place and Iowa losing week one and Minnesota being 0-2 already. Uh, Purdue surprised. Uh, you have Northwestern dominated Maryland, and Maryland goes out and beats Minnesota on a missed extra point in overtime <laughs> last night. So how Northwestern, Northwestern Iowa, I agree with Mitch, that's the one that I'm focused on, uh, partially to see what Nebraska's playing next week, mm-hmm. but also partially to see does Iowa bounce back from that loss to Purdue, and is Northwestern really a contender in the West? Right, that, and that, I think that's a big one, and we're, we're obviously going to be looking outside the Ohio State-Penn State game. That, that has yes. a lot of implications, not just in the yeah. conference, but nationally. If Penn State wins that ball game, they control their destiny in the East mm-hmm. to go the rest of the way, even with that Week 1 loss. Northwestern Iowa, yeah, big deal. I'm looking at Purdue-Illinois mm-hmm. because how much of Purdue carries over from that win over Penn State? Illinois looked bad against Wisconsin. How much of Purdue is real? How much of Purdue is able to come out and do that in another week and move, improve to 2-0? and I think that's going to be interesting, and that game's coming up here in about an hour. That's right, yeah. Or so, wait a minute, was that the game that got moved into the Nebraska's time slot? At two thirty, was that was that the only official recognition of the Big Ten that Wait, Nebraska that's, Wisconsin was? That's happening? the only time the Big Ten ever said anything about a game not being played in the conference, huh? Weird. Wonder what's going on there. <laughs> is that is that more lazy or sad to, in in your mind? Are Isn't just... it ironic? Ah, <laughs> uh, we're not we're not petty. We're just upset because everybody is. Not very, not very good at doing things right. related to Nebraska. Hey, if you want an official announcement, next Saturday, kickoff against Northwestern, 11 a.m. Pre-game will be at 6, going to preempt the Husker Hour. No show again. Programming note, that's an official announcement. That's how it's done, Big Ten. Um, not, not just the Wisconsin game uh, being off today uh, was, was sad. Uh, some very sad news this morning, Sean Connery passes away yeah. 90 years old uh i'm a huge james bond fan he's mm-hmm. the original he's the uh the man uh r.i.p sean connery hey if you haven't voted get out and vote and uh wear your mask and as always even though they're not playing today go big red